Um, we decided we were going to celebrate me being out of a cult and I, we had a little barbecue pit outside and I had this big book that was just like so special to me. I had had it for years and it was tattered and fallen apart. And it was just like, I love this big book, right? And I ended up burning this big book in the barbecue pit outside um, and we filmed it and it was supposedly like (laughs) my uh, exit from the cult and I was talking about how I was free now. And and on the video too, it's kind of humorous because I'm sitting there talking about how I'm free and I'm going to be so much better and all this. And I'm so drunk that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the video that I'm just like slurring my words, telling everyone how AA is a cult. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Scrump Delicious. I don't know why that word came to my mind. From Studio AA, deep in the heart of Texas, that was the voice of Sarah G that you heard at the beginning of this here episode number 270-270. And you are going to hear so much more from her in just a moment, but... First things first, this here episode is brought to you by Juliana. I think she goes by Jules, actually. But anyway, Juliana, Terry, Todd, Kurt, Lou, Audrey, Anonymous, and Mary Lynn. And you ask yourself, what in the heck did Juliana and Terry and Todd and Kurt and Lou and Audrey and Anonymous and Mary Lynn do? Well, they went to our website www.soberspeak.com clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a a donation so thank you so much juliana terry todd kurt lou audrey anonymous and mary lynn this here episode is coming right out to you right out to you to youans as a reminder this here podcast, Sober Speak, can be, it's a meeting between meeting at your fingertips. I had a, a listener actually write in a long time ago and say that, and I, I like that. Uh, anyway, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and wherever you listen to your podcast. In fact, you can go up to that little uh, 
what do you call it, uh, uh, woman in the tube, uh, and say, hey, Alexa, will you please, I don't think you have to put the will you in there, just say, play Sober Speak podcast, and guess what? It'll take off. Um, All right, so who do we have uh, this week? We have Sarah G. And Sarah G, uh, we're calling this AA is a cult. And this is part one of the discussion with her. The reason I'm calling it AA is a cult is not because either Sarah and or I believe that AA is a cult. It's kind of a clickbait. So if you came in and and you're thinking you're going to hear an episode about AA being a cult, there is talk about AA being a cult in here, but it's probably not the one you're looking for. But nonetheless, uh, Sarah, Sarah and I had a conversation that included uh, uh, discussing the time that she burnt her big book and decided that AA was actually a cult. So I went ahead and named this one AA is a cult. We discussed this on the first part of the episode, uh, but um, Sarah G is the wife of David G, or should I say David G is the husband of Sarah G, for whatever it matters. Um, and a lot of you have listened to the podcast before. You're going to know who David G, who David G is. But she talks about all the twists and turns throughout her recovery. We discuss Sarah's summer camp experience, uh, her Salvation Army stint, and much, much more. So. Forgive my giggling throughout this episode, but I was I was very much enjoying it. Uh, you'll notice I have a hard stop at the end of this episode as we needed to break up Sarah's interviews into two episodes because we just couldn't fit it all into one. And Sarah G Part Two will be released next week, and we will pick up where we left off this week. So. At the end of this, as always, we will have plenty of listener feedback, so enjoy Sarah G. Part 1, AA is a Cult. Okay, everybody, so today we are sitting here with Sarah G. So, Sarah, I'm going to ask you to go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you would like, and tell people where you live in this world, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Okay, I'm Sarah, and I am an alcoholic. I have been sober since April 6th of 2022, and I live here in Frisco, Texas. So you were able, a lot of times I'm doing these, you probably know this, I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of times when I'm recording these, we've, you know, recorded quite a few, uh, I'll be uh, talking to folks that are across the nation, sometimes across the ocean, and so it's nice to have somebody just kind of, I like it. When it's more one-on-one. In fact, I did all of these one-on-one back at the beginning um, because, you know, people weren't used to Zoom and all that kind of stuff. But nowadays, um, it's it's cool. So anyway, welcome in. Thank you. Um, so I want to go ahead and get this out of the way. Uh, we will note, I, I, well, those of you who are listening in will notice that I said Sarah G., and we have a frequent guest on this particular podcast. <laughs> She's smiling, kind of laughing. Uh, and his name is what, Sarah G? David G. Ah, see, a lot of folks are going to recognize Mr. David G. So how would you be related to that man? 
I am married to David. Oh, you were married to David? Yes, we were married. <laughs> well, lucky David. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is David. So a lot of you have listened to him before. You're going to know who David G is. Uh, this is Sarah G, his spouse. Uh, and let me go ahead and kind of set the stage here for why I wanted to have you on the podcast. I've known you probably now for, I don't know, five, six years, something like that. Six years, she's saying. Um, and uh, I met uh, Sarah through David. Uh, David and I have known each other uh, 15, 20 years, something like that. I don't know, for, for quite a long time. I was able to see Sarah share Sarah share that, that's a what's that called an alliteration something like that anyway I was able to see Sarah share her story about we can have a go two weeks ago something like that from the podium one week okay. one week ago one week ago um, I was able to see Sarah share from the podium and I've also heard her share several times in meetings Sarah and I go to meetings together we both live here in Frisco I have noticed that from my perspective and this is very much a compliment that you have definitely grown in the program there's something different about the way you've been sharing this year as opposed to the way you shared a year ago or even two years ago and it, and I and it's very obvious to me. I don't know if it's obvious to you or not, but that is why I wanted to have you on the podcast. So let's go ahead and get into your story a little bit, because there's lots of twists and turns, as you yes. know, and she's got a big smile on her face. Yes, there are some twists and turns. Well, let's just go ahead and start with this. Those of her, those who are listening in right now will notice that you gave your sobriety date, and it's April 6th of 22. That's not your original sobriety date. So I'm just going to throw that out there and then we'll kind of lead into it. All right. So you grew up here in Texas, right? Yes. Where? Tyler, East Texas. And tell me about that a little bit. So that was just, I mean, I had a great upbringing, identical twin. And so we had a lot of fun together and just kind of had, you know, an idyllic childhood. Um and what made it so idyllic? What, what do you mean by that? I have amazing parents um, just that exposed me to a lot of really cool things um, about life, about culture. Were you thinking they were amazing when you were growing no, up? No, I thought they were losers. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it interesting yeah. how that happens as we get older? Yeah. Okay, so you thought they were losers. At the time, what were they like standing in your way of get you getting done what you needed to get done or... Yeah, they, they, yeah, for sure. And just, you know, they kind of cramped my style and I just thought they were old and weird. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, didn't David somehow uh, t take me through this? You, you said you have an idea, you, you have a, a identical twin. Yes. He met, didn't he meet your sister first or something like that? Okay. So, yes. So, David and I have both been married before and uh, we're both towards the end of our divorces. And um, at the time, my sister was uh, pretty active in the program as well. And he went with a mutual friend. Um, of ours, mine and David's, to a meeting, a noon meeting in the uh, in the afternoon, and um, ended up sitting next to my sister. And they spoke. Uh, our friend Gary introduced the two of them. And then after the meeting, David told Gary that when he started um, dating again, that that was the kind of girl that he wanted to be with. 
Yeah. But that was your twin sister? It was sister? my twin sister. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and then how did you guys... So then, this is interesting. So then it, it was about two weeks later... We were both on the Bumble, the dating app. Oh, the Bumble. The Bumble, yeah. The bu- I, you know what? I, I've not experienced the dating apps. So is the Bumble... <laughs> That's good. That's good, <laughs> Is the Bumble similar... Gosh, how do I... I've heard a Tinder, then I've heard a match. Is it kind of in between or is it like... Uh... I guess you could say it's not... Yes, I, I mean, back, back, you know, six years ago, it was a more I guess at the time it was a more cleaner adult or you know what I mean there was more it was a more mature kind of way to people they yeah. were serious about it getting into relationships yeah at the time okay. yeah all right so you're on the bumble I'm on the bumble and the thing about the bumble it was that um it was the first app where the women you had to swipe left first and then the other person swiped and so if if the woman didn't swipe, then you, then you didn't match at all. Okay. So it was different than other apps that way. Ah, okay. And we ended up matching on the Bumble. And I get this message from David saying, hey, didn't I meet you a couple of weeks ago? And I said, no, no. <laughs> but I bet you met my twin sister. Ah. And we've honestly, we've pretty much been together ever since. Very cool. So just out of curiosity, now I'm going back to the app. I always go down paths like this. (laughs) So like, so does that, so like you would have had to, like, basically you see a picture and a description of him and that is what would make you, would you go right as opposed to left? Is that kind of what happens? Yes. Okay. So he was one of your several whatever it is or maybe it was just one maybe it was just we'll we'll just say it was just david okay all right (laughs) so david got selected kind of right all right all right so we're on the bumble you and him meet all right so now let's go back to your 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 childhood uh you had this uh uh it's okay so here's what i know from knowing you right i know that there you talked about Will you tell that story about being at the Salvation Army? Because I just and then coming out and seeing that thirteen-story building. Oh yeah, sure. So, um, so after treatment center, after treatment center, after treatment center, my parents were done sending me to you know nice treatment centers to kind of be pampered and all that. They wanted me to figure it out. They were really tired of my behavior, um, my addiction at the time. You know, it was really it had caused a lot of pain in their lives too. Um, not only mine, but in their lives too. And so I think at the time they really felt like the best thing for them to do was to let me figure it out. And part of that was they told me I could not come back to stay with them. You know, I was an adult, so I was in my I was in my early twenties and they would not let me come back to their houses. The only thing that they would help me do was they would help me get into the Salvation Army in Tyler. Gotcha. So you're in the Salvation Army. Yes. And you come out and you're looking at, you. T- I think it was something about a building that you looked at? Yes. Yeah, so I stayed there for uh, three months in this drug drug program, drug and alcohol program. And part of it was like you got more and more privileges, you know. And so it was downtown in downtown Tyler. And so um, you got to start getting out and then finding work. And so we would, I didn't have a car at the time. So I left um, the Salvation Army and I was walking down towards it. Right, it was right in downtown. So in the middle of downtown. And um, I felt, you know, a lot of, I had a lot of feelings about my situation at the time. And 
um, looked up, you know, and there's this, you know, like it was like a 13 story building downtown. And um, my dad's actually law practice was on the top floor. And also my um, mother's family owned that building. And so literally being able to look out of my window at the Salvation Army at this building, I was a little resentful at the fact (laughs) that, um, you know, they had like cut me off and wanted me to figure it out. So, yeah. I bet you were resentful. But looking back, your thoughts are? It was the best thing they could have done for me. Right, right. Okay, so so when did the the drugs and alcohol start entering the picture for you? How young were you? Young, really young. Um, I would say I started first, you know, time I drank alcohol, I was probably 12, 13 years old, just would take sips of my parents alcohol. What about your twin sister? Was she drinking as well? No, not for, she was a couple years later that um, she started and then we were buddies, drinking buddies. All right. I've heard you tell that story also about you going to the camp when you were uh, uh, younger. Can you can you talk about that and about how that was kind of a a, a big moment for you, if I remember right, the, the camp that you went to year after year? Yeah, yeah. So um, I went to this camp, this summer camp, uh, every year for three years, and it was something that I looked – it was the best three weeks of my year. Um, were those times every summer. Um, and I had, you know, tons of friends that I had been to camp with year after year after year. And um, one of the things I think that really, you know, I think we all have those moments that we look back and we're like, that something changed at that point, you know, and for me, this was one of those moments for me where everything changed um, in my life. And I was, um, I was, so I was a teenager at this point. And um, like I said, I'd gone there for many years. And Uh, My sister came along with me uh, this summer for the first time, and I don't know exactly the full story, but I I do know that um, we weren't there for very long, and they called us both into the office and told us that our parents would be picking us up, Um, and I had no idea what I had done um, or what she had done. Um, All I knew is that my world at the time was completely coming crashing down right in front of me. And um, interesting thing about this story is so, so I I left um, camp, my parents did come and get me, um, went back home and living in a small town, you know, where everybody kind of knows everybody. um, I had this sense of like a, a kind of a crisis of identity that I felt like everyone knew that we had done something horrible, which, like I said, I don't even know exactly what happened um, at the time. Um, And then I found out actually about a year ago, I found out that because I asked my mother about it, because it's something that was still would still one of the few things that I would talk about. And I would still start I would start crying about it because it was so painful for me as a kid. And so I asked my my mom about it. And she said, Oh, um, you actually didn't get um, kicked out of camp your sister did and we weren't going to come back and get you after we came and got her three weeks later so we got you both and i didn't know that until about a year ago you went to you've been to i've heard you reference as many treatment centers Mm -hmm. throughout your life so where I mean, first of all, do you know how many you've been to? Do you do you know? 
it's over over 13. Okay. So we'll just say somewhere between uh, 13, 15, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And so what, what do you want to highlight about those times in and out, in and out? I, or, I know you've talked about the, going to that one in Malibu at one point and they just wanted to kind of get away. But I, what, <laughs> what do you want to highlight about all those treatments you went to? So I think that, you know, there's a lot of people have different feelings about treatment and and all of that but I think that out of each experience um, at every different place that I went you know I can say that I took something away from each one of those places and learned something there maybe it was what not to do but um, I think at a lot of those places I learned things that I sort of picked up and kept in my back pocket um, n- not being entirely ready maybe at a lot of those points. Um, but I still collected all that knowledge and information and heard other people's stories. And I do believe that all those things, you know, come together when we're ready and really help us to make the change when we are ready. And I, I think one of the things, you know, about trying to get sober, at, I had just, so the first time I ever tried to get sober, I had just turned 18. And I think that, um, being told um, or labeled as an alcoholic that young um, by professionals can sort of be a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that like, I think that when you get labeled as an alcoholic at 18 years old, I think that is you sort of believe that. And so you're going to prove, prove them right. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm an alcoholic, so that's what I do, you know? And I, I know for me, that was a, that was a lot of my experience was that I was put at this label on as a kid, and um, although I do believe it was true, I think that that label can be dangerous at that age sometimes. Yeah, I completely understand that. Uh, let me do a little break here, and then we're going to get back to. Um uh, your story. There's something specifically I want to know about. We will be continuing our conversation with Sarah G in just a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at www.soberspeak.com. There you can find a approximately, I don't know, 270 or so other episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find the donate button on our site, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. All right, now back to Sarah G. All right, so I want to get to the point uh, in your story that uh, for me was gripping and uh, and that is the piece, and, and I know we're kind of going back and forth here, and this is really hopping forward, but uh, the piece where you were, uh, oh, you went to the Malibu um, treatment center, and then you got out. So, talk, and it wasn't, if I remember the timeline right, and that was where you got into that hotel and mm-hmm. uh, all that. So, so, talk about that period. Well, first of all, what brought you to the Malibu treatment center, and then that kind of period after that? So, the reason I went out to this center in Malibu was because I was in another facility in Texas, and they said that I needed a higher level of care. So, they- <laughs> it's a common theme in my life um but so so basically what they said was that i had some serious depression issues and they wanted to address the addiction and the mental health piece together 
Did you agree with that at the time? Do you think they were just trying to like what was your what was your thought at the time? I wasn't thinking much. I mean, part of it was, you know, I had stolen a bottle of Purell from the nurse's station. I (laughs) took it to my room, mixed it with Diet Dr. Pepper, and I was drinking Purell and Diet Dr. Pepper at 21 years old. And so when I came out of my room and went and talked to a couple of the people that worked there and they smelled it on my breath, um, and then I I admitted to what I had done, they they were uh, alarmed. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, we can find so many ways. Had you? How did you know? Like, did you just know that it was alcohol in the Purell? Had you ever done it before? No, no. I but there was nothing else available. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, I mean, you know, it's funny but not funny. I mean, this is the kind of thing that people from outside of the program will hear us laugh about. Oh my god! I will say the nurses' station moved the Purell. It was not in the common area after that. (laughs) Oh God, what would they do? I wonder what they're doing during COVID. I mean, you know. But anyway, we'll 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 take that up some other time. All right. So 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 you uh, need this quote higher level of care now that you've drank. Now that you've drank the Purell, and it's time to go to Malibu, right? Yes. And I think you said you were like, oh, wow, Malibu. This is... Um. I was like, finally, I felt understood and heard and seen. <laughs> I deserve and should be in Malibu, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, so, you, so you get to Malibu and take me from there. So I get to Malibu and it was definitely a ride. Um, So I was in this facility in Malibu for about four months and um, during which I I caused a lot of chaos. Um, So for, I mean, I just was so out of control. So, and, you know, and I got to tell people this, people don't, they, they can't see you. But you are, how tall are you? You, I mean, you, you are like, you're little. I mean, you are so little, right? You're, you're tiny. And you're causing all this. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah. laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so you're causing, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to, but it's just, I want people to have the picture of this tiny little thing causing all of this havoc. All right, so you're causing havoc. And yes. Go ahead. And so, like, for instance, one of the things that I did while I was there, um, I threw myself down the staircase. Um, it was inside. Um, and I, I threw myself down the staircase because I wanted them to take me to get some pain pills. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they were, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? And, and they ended up taking me to urgent care. And the lady that took me from the, the staff member was like, you cannot have any opiates. You cannot have any opiates. And I was like, okay, uh, yeah, okay. And sure enough, I convinced them to give me an opiate while I was there. And I was just you know, that mission accomplished. <laughs> How much did they give you? It was like one lousy pill. <laughs> <laughs> so, like so four hours you- of my life for one lousy pill. <laughs> did you seriously injure yourself? No. Okay, no, gotcha. I staged the whole thing. <laughs> Okay, so you get this one lousy pill, you're causing havoc. So that was one of your stints during the four months. Anything else you want to talk about during that four months? 
Okay, yeah. So another thing I did was there was a liquor store. So this is way up in the canyons in Malibu, right? The center. So you can look down and see the ocean and it's it's a long way down to the bottom of this canyon where the center was. And at the bottom though, there was like, um, I don't know what it was called, but it's like a, a, a grocery store basically with a liquor store in it. Um, and so I escaped one day and <laughs> ran down there to the liquor store. And they, like, 10 of them swarmed me <laughs> and took me back. <laughs> this tiny little <laughs> thing you are. Uh, okay. All right. So, eventually, we get out of this place. As how did you get out? Did How did you get out? Did they, I mean, did you, did you get kicked out? Was it time for release? I mean, did insurance run out? What happened? Yeah, I think, I think insurance was, they didn't want to pay anymore, you know, and um, they, it was, they said it was time for me to move, move on and go to sober living and do outpatient there and all of that. So, okay. that's what I did. All right. So, and there, there's some hotel that enters the picture at some point during this process. Do I remember right? Right. So, okay. Talk to me about that. So, it wasn't too long after I was um, discharged from the inpatient center that I ended up relapsing um, a couple weeks after that. So, I'm living in sober living at the time. Okay. Relapse, of course, I get asked to leave sober living and didn't have anywhere else to go. So I went, ended up going to this hotel called, I can't remember what, what the name of it was, but it was, wasn't like the Ritz or anything like that. It was, it was kind of shady. And how did you find the hotel? Do you remember? It wasn't too far from where I was living in the sober living. Okay. And how are you getting money for things like the hotel at this time? Do you remember? Um, well, I mean, I had to be creative, you know. Uh, <laughs> you sound pretty creative. <laughs> yeah, I had to be creative. Um, I do remember I got a credit card and I was so excited because it was the first time I had had a credit card. And I didn't realize, though, that you had to, once you, you know, spent money on the credit card, you have to pay that. <laughs> That's <laughs> how they like it. Yeah. So that didn't last very long. Credit ran out. And then, you know, I mean, we do what we have to do, you know? Yeah. All right. So, so, all right. So, so then you get to the, to, to the uh, hotel uh, mm -hmm. and, and tell me about that period. So things drastically from the time I left sober living to this point that you're talking about was just, you know, a couple weeks, but a pretty dark after that. It was very dark. It was yeah. very, very dark. A lot of drugs um, entered the picture that I'd never tried before. Um, hanging with some characters who were, you know, I say they're shady, but I was, I was right there along right. with them, you know, right. um, and just a lot, a lot of drugs. And who's the guy on the boat again? Yeah. So I had this friend who lived on a boat. Not a, Pete, yeah, like, it was not, not a, yacht. a yacht or anything like that. It was like, I mean, it was like a boat. I mean, that's all I can say about it. It was like, it was dark and kind of musty. And it was just this boat with a little bitty room in it. That was, it just remember how dark it was in there, you know, and the drugs. Um, and it was scary, but it was also just, it had become my reality, mm -hmm. you know, of how dark my life had become. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was in a hope of really, really hopeless state at this time. And um, I had this idea that I wanted to, I, I didn't want to live anymore, but I wasn't going to take my own life. So I decided to ask this guy 
I asked him if he knew anybody who could um, take somebody out. And he was like, yeah, I think I do. I think I do. I think I might. And anyways, we talked a little bit about how much something like that would cost. And then he asked me who I would want, possibly who I would want dead. And I told him that it was me, that I wanted to pay him to kill me. Oh, my goodness. And he was like, you are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, it seemed like a viable solution, though. <laughs> I did not see a way out, you know? I mean, I'm laughing, but that is, like I said, that, you know, you're, that was a dark period. So, like, you're... You're talking to a guy, and uh, a hit man, or somebody who can hire a hit man, and he's telling mm-hmm. you you're nuts. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So, um, so what? Uh, uh, how close are you to getting in recovery at this point? Well, you're in recovery. You've been in all all kinds of facilities, but how close are you to kind of getting onto the? I don't know, the next phase, more healthy phase if there was. Uh, what's happening next? So this period of my life was probably the worst. And it lasted for probably a year and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And in the meantime, you're are you communicating with your parents, your sister? Uh, Very little. Okay. Do you have any idea if they're concerned about you? Oh, I know they are. I know they're concerned. Yeah. I knew they were concerned. Okay. All right. So that's the dark. But what happens at the end of that year and a half? So I'm trying to think it's, you know, there's just so many different, like you said at the beginning, twists and turns. So um, I, I did end up moving back to Texas um, and getting into a facility. And I want to say... When I moved back is when I moved back to like the Dallas area Mm -hmm. and went to a couple detox places here and started on the path to finding recovery. Okay. Um, At some point, I know that there is, uh, uh, you you got, I think you got married, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. And I know you're two beautiful children. So yes. why don't you go through that period for me? Okay, sure. So um, I ended up meeting who would be my first husband, the father of my two children. Um, and I was not ready to have kids at the and time. And where did you meet this person? I met him in AA. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right. So you meet him in AA. Boy meets girl on AA campus, that whole thing, uh, and uh, you all, uh, and you weren't ready to have children. Um, and then I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go from there. No, it's okay. So, um, yeah, so we get married, end up having this little baby boy, and I, I just was, I was completely in over my head mm-hmm. with this little baby. How old were you at the time? Do you remember? Twenty. Eight twenty nine. Okay, so in theory, you're old enough. To, oh yeah, uh, right. Uh, but you were in over your head, and when you say you were in over your head, what what does that mean? Like, like, did you just not feel 
like you had the skills, the, I mean, talk to me about that a little. Yeah. I mean, I was petrified of this baby. I loved this baby more than anything, but I was also petrified of messing this baby up, of hurting this baby or leading this baby down the wrong path or not being good enough for this baby. Like everything had become about this child, you know, and I just felt so inadequate to be his mother. Right. All right, so you have the child, you're overwhelmed, go from there. I'm overwhelmed and uh, end up about two months later, I end up finding out that after he, two months, about he was a couple months old and I end up finding out that I'm pregnant again okay. with his little brother. So um, the boys are just a little over a year apart. Okay. Um, so now I have two little boys, little babies. And I was just so overwhelmed at this time. So backing up just a little bit, I had had, I had been sober for about five years um, before I met this man and um, all that. Um, I had relapsed before I met him and then started, you know, trying to get sober again. That, and that's yeah. when I met him. Okay. So, so I you had five years under your belt at the time. Yeah, yeah. I had a few years sober and was very active in the program and sponsoring and just, you know, very involved. And uh, so just curious when you think about that period of time and giving up the five years and such like that, was there anything that comes to mind that, uh, you know, where you went back out that any, uh, was it an event? Was it a period of time? I mean, what happened? So I've been engaged through, I've been engaged four times total. I've been engaged three times and then to my husband now. Uh-huh. other than my husband. So I ended up meeting this guy and we got engaged and he was not in the program or anything like that. So my life started to kind of revolve and I hadn't been married at the, at this time, right? So we're backing up a little bit before this yeah. time. And so he also was my college professor and he was very- Oh, well, hold on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. So, so this guy was your- this is not your husband, right? This is another guy that you were engaged to, yes. right? Okay. And he was your college professor. Yes. Uh, just curious, did that cause any sort of issues for him or for y'all? Or did, did it uh, all... I mean, when it's in high school, it's different, right? Uh, but did it, did it cause any issues for, for him? No? No. Okay. All right. So as your college professor, uh, this happens sometimes, as we know. Uh, all right, so, so, so go forward from there, sorry. Okay, so um, like I said, he wasn't in recovery or anything like that. So the more and more we got involved and started to plan like our lives together, the further and further I got away from my friends in AA and the program and meetings and all of that. And um, one day I just had the thought that I, and he drank and he was as normal a drinker as you could ever imagine, just like would sip on a cocktail like for hours at night. And so I saw that day in and day out. And I started to think that maybe possibly there could be a way that I could do that, even despite my history. Um, I mean, it's insanity. Like we talk about. Had he ever seen you drink before? No. Yeah. So did he get to witness that? He did. I bet that was a little bit of a revelation. Yes, we, you could say that. Okay. He was concerned. <laughs> he was concerned. But he also, you know, it was interesting, though, too, because he was so intellectual, super smart, and 
I don't think that he really, he didn't like me going to AA and being around all these other people. So he made this notebook for me about AA being a cult. And so I started to read all this research that he had put together for me. And I had become convinced that AA was a cult. And you have to understand, AA was my life at the time. It was everything. And I had this big book. And he put, did you say he put a, he put a book together? Uh, he made this binder, like this, you know, this binder of all this data and research that proved that AA is a cult. Really? Yes. That's kind of like taking it to the next level. That's not just like a thought. That's a, uh, you know, and, he's, and he was a professor. Right. So, you know, he's intellectual about it and wants to get the data right and the research right. So, okay, well, and so what was your thought when you saw it? Well, I mean, I was, he had me convinced that AA, or this research that I read did. And so um, we decided we were going to celebrate me being out of a cult. And I, we had a little barbecue pit outside. And I had this big book that was just like, so special to me. I'd had it for years, and it was tattered and fallen apart. And it was just like, I love this big book, right? And I ended up burning this big book in the barbecue pit outside. Um, and we filmed it. And it was supposedly like, <laughs> my, uh, exit from the cult and I was you know just yeah. talking about how I was free now and and on the video too it's kind of it's humorous because I'm sitting there talking about how I'm free and I'm gonna be so much better and all this and I'm so drunk that <laughs> on the video that I'm just like slurring my words telling everyone how AA is a cult <laughs> I'm going to show you that video someday. Okay, yeah, I'd like to see that video. Did y'all post it anywhere? No. Okay, good. But it, I acted like it was going to be posted. So I don't. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you, Sarah G. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. As a reminder to all of you listening in, we will be back with Sarah G's, with the conclusion of Sarah G's interview next week. So be sure to tune on in. As always, um, if you were impacted by that particular episode, and who would not be, please take time to pause your device and share that episode or the entire podcast with a friend or family member. It may be just what they need today. Now on to a little bit of a listener feedback. Quan writes in, and Quan has written in before. He says, hi, John. It's Quan. And by the way, the, the, uh, uh, subject line was feedback. He says it's Quan. Uh, K- he, he he spells it C U O N G, but we pronounce it K like it's K W O N. He says it's Quan again from San Francisco, California. I'm a construction worker. I remember you, Quan. He says to answer one of your questions you had. I love the feedback that you read at the end of the episodes. Last time I wrote in, I believe I had seven months or so. I will have 11 months in five days. God bless you, Quan. He said, I'm still with my sponsor who has 32 years sobriety, and I am on the step for 
fear inventory. I listen to you daily while I'm working. Continue to do what you're doing. It's been a great help. I have been sending your Sober Speak links to my other AA friends. God bless you, Quan. Man, it sounds like you're on fire, and I'm so glad you're getting started with that fear inventory. Uh, keep doing what that sponsor tells you to do, my friend. And thanks for writing in, and thanks for your encouragement. I, I really do appreciate it. Sue W writes in and she says, Hi, John M. Last year, I moved to Waukesha, Wisconsin with my family. I have been sober since May 1st of 2012 for 10 years. I found Sober Speak while attempting to find Joe and Charlie's first step worksheet. Oh, she's talking about how she went to the website. She says, my sponsee relapsed after four years of being sober. I haven't been to any meetings in the Waukesha area since COVID hit. Requesting membership to the Facebook group, Sue W. Well, Sue, you are in the Facebook group, and uh, I... Uh, I don't think I replied to your email. I may have, but uh, I uh, absolutely, I, I love Waukesha. I lived in that area for, I don't know, a couple, three years. And uh, I know there are tons of meetings in that area. And if you need me to put you in contact with somebody in Waukesha, uh, let me know. And uh, I, I know you can get to some meetings. And uh, But I am glad that you joined our super secret Facebook group. And congratulations on your 10 years. Now, this person, I'm not going to say the name who writes in, but I had to read it because I just got the biggest kick out of it. Uh, it says, it's, so-and-so writes in, and they say, I'll just call them Jay. Uh, and it says, good morning, John. I hope this email finds you well. I was just listening to episode number 157, and I heard a gentleman, Jesse, say that he was a diver divorce lawyer. I swear God always gives me what I need exactly when I need it. My husband and I are both in recovery and are starting to go through the divorce process. I would love to be able to talk to uh, the gentleman from episode number 157 if I could. Can you put me in touch with him? Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a great day, Jay. So I don't think the part about the divorce is funny. Let me go ahead and clear that up. And I'm sorry that uh, you, Jay, and your husband are going through that and walking through that. I know that's a very difficult process. However, I just find it uncanny that people hear about these things. I mean, how would you ever think you're reading this on listener feedback? Someone's going to hear that and they're going to want to get in touch with that divorce attorney. That just, that part just cracks me up. I should, maybe I should like charge a brokering fees here. <laughs> like that and then put it back to AA obviously and I'm not going to do that I'm just kidding but isn't that just uncanny anyway Jay uh, best of luck keep me posted and God bless you and you and your husband during this process and I hope Jesse uh, gets a great client Tammy writes in and Tammy says, hi, John. My name is Tammy G. I am from Reading, PA. Yes, Reading, Pennsylvania. She says, um, by the way, you know, I always wanted to pronounce it reading, but I know it's Reading and I'm sure people do that all the time. Anyway, she says, I just celebrated nine years on... 
Uh, oh, excuse me, November 20th. And I am full of gratitude for this journey. Thank you for allowing me to join your Facebook page. Tammy, the pleasure is all ours and the honor is all ours. We're glad you're in there. She says, I have listened to numerous speakers on the podcast. My favorites are Sandy Beach, Katie and Charlie P, Mark Houston and Marty C and you too. I love your sense of humor and especially your interaction with each of the speakers. You seem to always ask the right questions to pull the information out of them. Laugh out loud. I really can relate to each of them and their journeys. God bless you. Respectfully, Tammy G. Well, Tammy G, God bless you as well. Thanks for writing in. And uh, I love all those speakers as well. Um, it, it really is an honor to be able to talk with them, uh, to brainstorm with them, be able to learn from them. And I get to do the same thing while you guys are doing it. And, uh, uh, you know, I haven't been back and listen. I, I just don't, I don't know. There's something about me going back and listening to my podcast. I, on the front end, I used to do it all the time. And mainly because I wanted to make sure it was, quote, perfect. And it never came out perfect. And I let that go. But I need to go back and listen to certain speakers, like some of them that you just mentioned there. Nonetheless, Rendell DMs on the Insta. And he says, bro. You're doing an awesome job, exclamation point, exclamation point. He says, maximum service, exclamation point, exclamation point. Well done, my brother, exclamation point, exclamation point. Yours in service from down under AU. Well, Rendell, from down under, crikey. Thank you for writing in. I sure do appreciate it. And you're doing an awesome job as well, brother. Max service on your end as well. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bob writes in and Bob says, good morning, John. I will not be able to attend the, the, uh, oh, he's talking about the, uh, live event, uh, uh, we're going to have with Gary K. He will, I will not be able to attend the live event as I live in Langley, British Columbia, and my wife might put the brakes on it if I told her I am going attend. I had hoped to attend virtually. Oh, he's talking about actually coming in. Yeah, he says, I had hoped to attend virtually, but will be attending the Southeast Regional Forum in New Orleans this weekend, and the schedule will not likely allow me to pretend even virtually. That's okay, Bob. We'll be, be having some more. He says, good luck with it. My goal is to get to one of your live events someday. Please keep up the good work and that you are doing. I get much benefit from the Sober Speak podcast, and I very much appreciate your style. I remain yours in love and service on this, my 18,200th day of continuous sobriety, Bob W., Wow, Bob, that's a lot of sobriety, and uh, I do hope we get to meet someday in person. You know... I talk about it on, I've talked to, I'm going to be talking about this in some future uh, 
episodes that I've already recorded and uh, I've been talking about it. I, I want to do some 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 workshops coming up here in the future. I just got and when I say workshops, like you know, like a weekend retreat thing where you know people come in and, and we work them through the steps or they work the steps and we bring you know facilitators in, somebody like I don't, Marty C or whatever to take them through those specific steps. And, or through all of the steps uh, over the weekend, or we just have speakers and, you know, get together or do whatever we're going to do. But uh, that that's been on my mind. I'd like to do it. It's just a matter of me taking the time and effort and figuring out how to organize it and all that stuff. Uh, it just, uh, I, and I know I can ask for help. I just don't even know what to ask for yet. But nonetheless, thanks for writing in, Bob. I sure do appreciate you. Torsten writes in t-o-r-s-t-e-n torsten he says hi john i am torsten sober member of alcoholics anonymous since april of 2008 i live in zurich switzerland where we've got a solid english speaking fellowship and he gives me the uh the website to the, it's called aazurich.org. He says, my home groups are on Saturday, 9 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Zoom meetings. Join us if you like. No password is required. And give me the links here. If anybody wants those, just write to me at john, J-O-H-N, at soberspeak.com, and I'll pass it on. He says, I came across your page as I was searching for references to the, oh, he's talking about he came across the website. We have a lot of stuff on the website if you want to go look around there. Uh, but anyway, it says, I came across your page as I was searching for references to the promises other than the much cited and well-known step nine promises. I did a talk on the promises the other day at a YPAA meeting here in town. There's Young People Alcoholics Anonymous here in town. He says, be safe and happy, Torsten. Well, Torsten, from Zurich, Switzerland. Thank you so much, my friend, for uh, taking time to write a little something, something into us. And uh, I hope the website is helping you out. And uh, God bless you, my friend. All right, everybody. That var is una mas semana. <clears throat> I think I have that right. One more week uh, of. The Sober Speak a podcast in the can, as they say in the radio business. I'm not really in the radio business. I just put out these episodes on a weekly, but I guess I am. I, I this is this is basically like internet radio, right? And I guess I am the quote producer as well. Since I do all the editing. Uh, I, you know, I don't consider myself really a producer or anything. I just do some editing and get this stuff published, but I don't know what the hell I am. Uh, all I know is uh, I get to have fun with you guys. Um, I did mean to mention, I don't think I did on the front or the end of this. If you want to be part of the super secret Facebook group, please go to Facebook and search for secret, uh, excuse me, sober speak secret group. And look for that and ask for admission into the Facebook group and we will get you on in there. The, the, the bar is very low. Um, what else do I need to tell you? I guess what I was ended with. So a couple things. Number one, keep coming back. It works if you work it. And 
Oh, what's the other thing? Uh, it was from page 164 of the big book. I really should write this stuff down sometime. Oh, oh may God bless you and keep you until then. Uh, I plan on being back next week. You never know. Right? I could get hit by a bus. But right now, I plan on being back next week. God bless you all. Love you. Have a good one.